0: Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Day Show.
1: And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show. Live and on demand. Welcome yet again. Hope you had a great weekend. I'm Steve Dace alongside Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. You can email the show steve at stevedace.com that's d-e-a-c-e like us on facebook Miwi parlor and gab follow us on twitter at Dace show as well and again the last name is d-e-a-c-e uh, we have a jam-packed show lined up for you today uh, coming up at the bottom of the hour we decided after a successful family leadership summit to give him the week off but uh, I was there on Friday at the event, and I've got some thoughts I want to share, both my own and some things that I saw from some other people uh, and heard from some other people as well. So we will get into that coming up uh, at uh, the bottom of the hour. Next hour, for our Monday town hall, we are going to spend the entire hour trying, and, and this is not a troll, trying as best as we can to have a reasonable data-driven conversation about the vaccine debate in America. That's going to be uh, a TED Talk. We've got some email and social media interaction I want to react to. Of course, Todd and Aaron will be giving uh, their input into the conversation as well. So that is for the next hour of the show. We're going to try to do this as reasonably and intelligently and and apolitically, as we can, as we can. Now we are all to some degree, if we are working on this show, activists. So we cannot live in a zero politic environment. But we're going to do our best to try to remove as much of that from the conversation as we possibly can. Couple of quick housekeeping items. Maybe you've known, you looked at you see the jersey. It is our annual sports throwback sports jersey week that I do each week here. On the show, it used to be uh, Sports Throwback Jersey Day, almost every day on the show. But I got tired of hearing enough complaints. They finally sent me enough Steve Day Show gear and swag that I decided we just kind of would make it an annual week when we do this. Uh, So for the very first day, I've busted out uh, the Jackie Robinson throwback, one of my personal heroes. We've talked a lot this year about meekness. Power under control. I, very few public figures in recent American history better exemplified this than number 42. So if you care about this and what the individual messages are for why I wear each of these jerseys this week, then you're going to have fun because whether you want to know it or not, I will be sharing that information with you. Also, if you live in my former home state of Michigan, I'm coming your way on Saturday. I'm speaking at two different events in Grand Rapids my old hometown one of them uh involving uh election integrity and the other one uh speaking as a banquet that night speaking uh, about o- the overall state of the culture if you would like to come you want to get more information go to my facebook page you'll see a post there about where these events are at uh one is in the afternoon Uh, One is in the evening. I cannot give you the exact times because uh, the evening event, I'm the keynote speaker. The afternoon event, I'm one of several speakers. So I'm just, I'm somewhere in the program and who knows, one will be in the afternoon and one will be in the evening, okay? Uh, And they will both be in downtown Grand Rapids is my understanding. So if you want to get information on those events, again, just go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Steve Dace. The information is there. Hope I get to see and meet a good deal of you guys uh, that are, Based in the state of Michigan, when I'm there uh, on Saturday. Also, if you like the cool new progressive lenses I'm wearing, one of our colleagues here, Ricky, tweeted out that her doctor told her she's one script away from progressive lenses. All right. If that's you, I'm already there with these. All right. Um, And hey, if you're not in need of a difficult, Progressive lens prescription, but just a normal eyewear prescription. Our friends at Better Spectacles have you covered either way uh, because they also bring to the table for the first time here in the United States, Rodenstock, which is a 144 year old company, the world's gold standard with over 500 patents. It's what Ronald Reagan wore these glasses as well. And they now can apply them here domestically to even your difficult prescriptions like your progressives. The technology is caught up so you don't have to look as nerdy anymore. All right. If you want to find out more about what this means for you, again, whether it's your basic prescription or of the progressive variety, Better Spectacles can help you with some of the best trained opticians in the country. Uh, And our audience right now, you get access to 61% off introductory offer. 61% off introductory offer when you visit betterspectacles.com slash Steve. Again, that's betterspectacles.com slash Steve. And with all of those housekeeping items now out of
2: the way, of course, it is time for Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away, brought to you by the ever-evolving science on the vaccines. We'll start with this clip of CDC Director Rochelle Walensky back on March 30th.
0: Our data from the CDC today suggests um, that that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick, um, and and that it's not just in the clinical trials, but it's also in real-world data. Now
2: we go to the country of Israel when compared to major Western nations like the United States, Canada, and the United Kingdom, among others has one of the highest vaccination rates in the entire world, according to Our World and Data. You'd think that'd be good, but over the weekend, their new Prime Minister, Naftali Bennett, said this of the vaccines, quote, we do not know exactly to what degree the vaccine helps, but it is significantly less than they were promised. This news comes after a new wave of infections and hospitalizations sweeps across Israel. The following data was released by the Israeli Ministry of Health via their Telegram channel. This graphic shows various data surrounding vaccination rates, new cases, and hospitalizations. This graphic in particular shows new hospitalizations with the virus. The green bars represent those who have been fully vaccinated. The yellow bars represent those who have been partially vaccinated. And the red bars represent those who are unvaccinated. As you can see over the past month, those who are fully vaccinated make up the lion's share of new hospitalizations for COVID-19. That's a problem. In addition, new research out of Israel based on some of the same data from the Ministry of Health shows Israelis who have had COVID-19 naturally are nearly 7 times less likely to get infected after the shot than those who have gotten the vaccine.
0: Our data from the CDC today suggest um, you know that that vaccinated people do not carry the virus don't get sick um, and, and that it's not just in the clinical trials but it's also in real world data now we
2: go to the united kingdom where nearly 70 percent of their population has received at least one dose of the vaccine the uk lifted their remaining COVID restrictions yesterday but not before Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who was hospitalized with COVID-19 last year and has been vaccinated, announced he's entering self-isolation after coming into contact with somebody who tested positive for the virus. Now, their data is a little more positive than Israel's for now. While increases in positive tests have skyrocketed across the pond, according to data from the UK government compiled by researcher Jose Gafael. Hospitalizations and deaths remain low and while hospitalizations and deaths are lagging indicators mean they usually follow an increase in cases. The U.K. has had the better part of a month of data after its latest wave, and those worst outcomes are, thankfully, still low.
0: Our data from the CDC today suggests um, that that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick, um, and and that it's not just in the clinical trials, but it's also in real-world data. Now
2: we go back stateside, where the White House seems to be hell-bent on shutting down honest discourse about the vaccines.
3: There's about 12 people who are producing 65% of anti-vaccine misinformation on social media platforms. What's your message to platforms like Facebook? They're killing people. I mean, it really, look, the only pandemic we have is among the unvaccinated. It's important to take faster action against harmful posts. As you all know, information travels quite quickly on social media platforms. Sometimes it's not accurate. And Facebook needs to move more quickly to remove harmful, uh, uh, violative posts.
2: Right on cue over the weekend, Twitter, not Facebook, suspended the account of independent journalist Alex Berenson for <clears throat> unknown reasons. And then there's this montage put together by the RNC over the weekend.
0: So let's just say there's a vaccine that is approved and even distributed before the election. Would you get it? Well, I think that's gonna be an issue for all of us.
3: If and when the vaccine comes, it's not likely to go through all the tests that needs to be, and the trials that are needed to be done. When we finally do, God willing, get a vaccine, who's gonna take the shot? Who's gonna take the shot? you can gonna be the first one to say, put me, sign me up. They now say it's okay. And the question of whether it's real when it's there, that requires enormous transparency. you got to make all of it available to other experts across the nation so they can look and see. So there's consensus this is a safe vaccine. If the president announced tomorrow we have a vaccine, would you take it? Only if it was completely transparent that other experts in the country could look at it. Only if we knew all of what went into it. If Donald Trump can't give answers and the administration can't give answers to these three questions, the American people should not
0: have confidence. But if Donald Trump tells us I should t- that we should take it, I'm not taking it.
2: As a cherry on top of this entire charade, you'll remember the big failed stunt Texas Democrats performed last week, skipping town during a special legislative session and flying privately without masks to Washington, D.C. so they could sing a song Well, at least five of those Texas House Democrats who were vaccinated, have tested positive for COVID-19. Moving on, TPUSA gave a porn star VIP access to an event targeted at teenagers and college students over the weekend before kicking her out after apparently learning she's a porn star. She was there because apparently she's running for Congress and she says she's a conservative. Porn is bad. Everybody's take on this story is bad. Not having a take on this story because you're so far above the fray, Is bad. And finally, Democrats say voting machines are bad. I continue to think that our voting machines are too vulnerable. Our researchers have repeatedly de- demonstrated that ballot recording machines and other voting systems are susceptible to tampering.
0: Even hackers with limited prior knowledge, tools, and resources are able to breach voting machines in a matter of minutes.
1: In 2018, electronic voting machines in Georgia and Texas deleted votes for certain candidates or switched votes from one candidate to another. The
2: biggest seller of voting machines is doing something that violates Cybersecurity 101 directing that you install remote access software, which would make a machine like that, you know, a magnet for fraudsters and hackers. These voting machines can be hacked quite easily.
0: You could easily
2: hack into them. It makes it seem like all these states are doing different things. But in fact, three companies are controlling this. All the clips in that montage are from 2018. And that's what happened while we were away.
1: Aaron's Montage
2: brought to you by our friends
1: over at Rough Greens, which we've been telling you about for quite a while now. It's the powder that you sprinkle and mix in with your dog's food that puts all of the nutrition that your dog's likely missing from that store-bought food back into his or her diet. Uh, the, the prebiotics, probiotics, the vitamins, minerals, nutrients, etc. Uh, but you may be wondering, uh, how do I know if my dog will like this? Well, one way we can find out is if we just give you that first 14-day jumpstart bag for free. I mean, we're going to ask you to pick up the tab for the shipping. That's just a couple of bucks, but the bag is on us. Can't beat that deal. Why not find out if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less when you go to roughgreens.com? R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com. Again, the 14-day jumpstart bag is free You just pay a couple bucks for the shipping at roughgreens.com or give them a call at 833-ROUGH-DOG. That's 833-ROUGH-DOG. All right, coming up in the overtime today, a new YouGov poll shows that Americans of every political persuasion don't want to be married to one another anymore. A divorce American style. I remember that show from when I was a little kid. Uh, whether it's the lefties in the Pacific Northwest, the red staters in the South, even even forty three percent of self described independents here where we live in the Midwest want the country to break up in a national divorce. We will get into that data coming up uh in the overtime today if you're a blaze tv subscriber good for you we're going to s- stick around after today's show record it for you and then it will be uploaded later today at blazetvcom dace that's d-e-a-c-e and if you're not yet though a blaze tv subscriber and you'd like to become one so you can take part in this and all the other exclusive content we do for blaze tv subscribers every day Well, blazetv.com slash DACE is also where you can go to become a Blaze TV subscriber at a discounted rate at blazetv.com slash DACE. Let's go to the montage, shall we? Um, I mentioned next hour. We are going to be discussing the vaccine debate in America as apolitically as we possibly can. Right. We're going to do that next hour. Right. I didn't say we were going to do do that, though. This hour. This hour, we probably can't in light of what Aaron just included in his montage. And it's pretty clear the temporary banning of Alex Berenson. I want to get you guys' take on this. The temporary banning of Alex Berenson. Now, Facebook resisted this, actually. And I will just tell you, I, I can't speak for Alex, but him and I would, I guess, kind of be considered in the same OG group of COVID-stand resistance fighters. Is that fair?
4: Oh, it's more than fair. Okay.
1: I, I have gotten a lot more problem. I've had a lot more problems with Facebook for the last year and a half than I have with Twitter. I didn't say I haven't had any problems with Twitter. I've had some. But it, with, with Facebook, it's, it's been appalling, frankly. And I found it fascinating that shortly after the White House tried to go ahead and go full-on 1984 on Friday, Facebook immediately, at least publicly, showed resistance to this. And Twitter decided, in my opinion, gentlemen, I want to know what you think, to lob a trial balloon just to see what would happen. That's what I think the 12-hour ban of Alex Berenson was. I think the backlash was fast, fast. And furious, pardon the pun. And then Alex has responded, I think, to his band since returning absolutely perfectly in that he has gone, he has actually doubled down. He has gone even further after COVID Stan, even further exposing some of the various lies and obfuscations, as if to say, I'm if if you guys run me, we're gonna. Are you sure you want to take the heat for that? Because everyone's going to know why. He's shining the light on the cockroaches, as I've talked about before. So let's start there, guys. Was this a clear, was Barron's in a test case by Twitter to see what the reaction would be to abiding by the White
2: House's wishes? This is the the game plan that they've they've laid out before in other big tech companies as well. When was it? 2017, 2018, when Alex Jones, mm-hmm. he was the canary in the coal mine. It's easy to ban him from all the various sundry platforms because, well, he's a conspiracy theorist. And everybody agrees he's a conspiracy theorist. But then we start to do the slow trickle, the trickle and the, 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 the mission creep, if you will, which is another uh, playbook. But um, th- that's that's definitely the way that they operate. They They throw out these trial balloons to see what the reaction will be. And uh, I I would say, though, I don't really think that necessarily the reaction – yeah, the reaction was swift and it was negative in terms of of, um, people's view of of Twitter on this. I don't think that's going to stop them from a full-on ban and purge in the future. Uh,
4: Well, this was a test case at the alpha level. Been doing it for a long time uh, at the lower tier levels, but this is full-on preparation for I Am the Senate because if you're taking out Alex on this topic, as you said – uh, we're t- we're in uh, OG uh, territory, but I also don't th- I think the Facebook thing is uh, I think they would have done something along these lines too, but that clip of Biden saying you're killing people. now I Biden just blurts out stuff right now, but you could tell Facebook pushed back on that. they're like, hold on a second, dude. You know how much water we're carrying for you right now. Mm-hmm. Precisely. Why? You're throwing us under the bus on that, so I think there was like a temporary timeout to get their house in order. But then they're all, yeah, they're they're all coming. And this, I don't, I don't think any lessons were necessarily learned from Alex, uh, in doing that. Yeah, there was intense pushback, but let's, we can't tell ourselves lies anymore that they're that they're learning lessons. They're coming.
1: So what's the next? What's this? The next step for this then? Do you think? I mean, this is this is an age old tale. Okay when you can't beat someone in an argument you try to ban them i mean I, I, this is what this is the this is the last refuge of the authoritarian if in every culture every custom every language all throughout human history right this is there is nothing new under the sun, just new people under the sun that haven't seen that particular sunrise or set yet. So this is a familiar playbook. The Spirit of the Age doesn't ever go into anything new. It just reruns and re-racks a previous great its previous greatest hits album and just re-racks it and resets it for a new generation. A great reset, if you will. Okay, so this is we we know what the what the genesis of this will be and is. How will this play out though? What, what's the next thing our people ought to be looking for?
4: Well, I, I think it's uh, late August and returning to school.
1: Because... So, for example, the American Academy of Pediatrics just put out a recommendation not just an hour ago, demanding that all kids be masked in school over the age of two, in school or preschool, whether they're vaccinated now or not two or two or two or under so there's two ways to look at that that either a the american academy of pediatrics is telling you that there's absolutely they're admitting to you that these vaccines are so ineffective over these over the over the, the forthcoming variants that it's not worth risking your kid that that's one angle they could be doing right Probably not, though. Right. Right. So then we're just really just talking about authoritarianism that you should resist and defy. But it's one of the two. It's it's one of the two. I mean, if they if they wanted to make a scientific case for the former, then they would just come right out and say it. Right. But they they have not done so. So that's clearly not the case they want to make. They just want to rule you. Yes. Yeah.
4: And that's why this is all uh, connected. Uh, If we clearly have pushed back on that level. That will impact what's done on social media platforms because, as you said, Twitter is not uh, America percentage-wise, w- but America is the public schools, for better or for worse, and either we take it or we don't, and that will send a bigger signal than anything could possibly be done, but we won't know until we get into August.
2: So the January 6th armed insurrection uh, carried out by people who were largely unarmed and were not actually trying to overthrow the government— Uh, That was used as the excuse to ban the sitting president of the United States from major platforms such as Twitter and Facebook. What could be an opportunity, an event, a watershed moment, if you will, to ban any and all people who question the narrative about the vaccines, masks, lockdowns at all before, and I agree that 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 timeline that Todd laid out is probably accurate as kids go back to school, that's going to be, and we've said this all year, that's going to be the major fight ahead. What could be a watershed moment that would give the big tech companies the excuse they needed, similar to January 6th, the excuse they needed to ban us all? That's your answer. Now, I don't know what that is, but whatever that is, that's, it's either going to be concocted or they're going to use it as an excuse. There,
1: there, you know, I've, I've told you folks before, the, the, the biggest challenge we have on the producer side in delivering the content for you that you want, the biggest challenge we have is that the content you most want us to deliver for you is what most puts our monetization models in the line of fire. And, you know, every one of us that do this on all these various platforms and alternative media that exist, we all have to choose our own monetization model we are willing to live with. Some of our peers have chosen to heavily be involved in monetizing social media, particularly Facebook, because that's overwhelmingly still the largest of all social media platforms, and it skews older, okay? Gen X are older, and that tends to be more who consumes conservative media, right? And the problem with using that as your primary vehicle model, however, is you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Sooner or later, there emerges a pharaoh who knows not Joseph and new people get in charge over at Facebook and you start getting dinged if you decide to go down the road of, of discussing certain topics. And so you face a choice of whether just def- trying to defy that and taking, um, uh, taking a, a monetary loss or you change the content and the subject matters you will address. I I saw one of our followers on Twitter recently coin a phrase, algorithm conservatives. This that, that that would apply to this conversation. You have two choices when you when you come to this fork in the road, Yogi Berra, you have to take it. You have to take one. Right. And so one is I'm just gonna do what I want to do anyway and defy it and we'll see what happens. And because I didn't get into this business to be monetized by Facebook, but to ultimately try to communicate an ideology or conserve a uh, a slate of values that I think are what's best for human nature and you just take your chances with that the other is you, you just make a moral calculation and you decide well here's one or two or three things that will get dinged on by Facebook if we focus on them so let's not focus on them but on all the other things that we won't get dinged on right now then we'll go to the mattresses on those things and and different companies in our line of work right now different platforms are all trying to figure out how to navigate navigate that and figure that out and there's people that are in both sides of that equation what we have done here with our business model is we also monetize Facebook and things of that nature but they're not a primary vehicle our our primary vehicle is is subscriptions to Blaze TV that's why we try to to make it as as uh, attractive as we possibly can on one hand even to the point where You know, we started offering extra mini bonus exclusive episodes here on our show that I wasn't even contractually obligated to do because I just did that. One, I just like to talk, but two, I could also see that if we're not going to make the choice here that we're going to dumb down or water down our product to appeal to big tech, well, then it's clear that we're going to have to go all the way from a subscription model as our primary monetization vehicle because none of us are here from a nonprofit perspective. And so that's the battle that we fight here uh, is to is to try to get as many of you to subscribe as we possibly can. And then anything we make off of Facebook or advertising in the podcast and things of that nature. Is obviously matters, but we're not beholden. If we woke up tomorrow and iTunes said we're not carrying any of this anymore, or uh, the or, or Facebook, Twitter banned all of us, we we have built a healthy enough subscriber base that this thing would more than monetize itself. But that also means you've got to listen to us consistently, you know. Uh, preen on and on and on urging you to subscribe because again none of this is being done for free but this is some inside baseball this is these are the internal dialogues and conversations that are happening within every major alternative media platform that you enjoy and i enjoy too because when i'm not doing this part of what i do with my time is i'm a consumer of these platforms as well but this is the battle folks this is the battle because whoever has control of the flow of information in any culture has control, and while we can while we can take some solace in the fact that our argument they're they're clear, they, they've they've clearly proven the integrity of Alex Berenson's uh, quest by their actions, right? They've clearly confirmed on a cosmic level, similar to the schadenfreude of those uh, fully vaccinated Democrat state legislators who are now COVID infected. All right. Which they're, they're in real time now. They attempted a political stunt and instead what they attempt, what they pulled off is a stunt that just blew up every COVID stand narrative we have been fed for the last year and a half, practically, and just in one fell swoop. Okay. Okay. Um, Similarly, on a cosmic level, the efficacy, let's use that term, of, of Berenson's quest has been confirmed here by the fact that they just don't want to debate him anymore. They just want to ban him. So, yes, on a moral level, we can take some satisfaction of that. True. Because that is the last refuge of every tyrant and authoritarian is just to begin banning people, either their information or their existence. That's just what tyrants do when they get to the end and they can't win the argument straight up or intimidate you and to stop and to cease and desisting airing of yours. However, that also, though, comes with a larger cost. As I as said many times during the 500th anniversary of the Reformation episodes we did a few years ago, the difference between Martin Luther and, a, and a John Wycliffe, beyond just the fact Luther was a lot pricklier, uh, was the printing press. The information was already out to the public. So it wasn't just enough. You weren't going to burn him at the stake, dig up his ashes, and then burn the ashes too. There was now a written record of what he was saying and writing. And it was already in the hands of the general population. This Social media, uh, the internet, has been our variation of this in our time. It's the it, next, since the telephone, it's the greatest advancement in mass communication since Gutenberg invented the printing press in the 15th century. And unfortunately, though, Gutenberg has gone woke and got in bed with the tyrants. So, what do we do? For the time being, I think we should approach this the way Berenson has. We're going all the way for as long as we can acknowledge we're on borrow time get this information in as many hands as you possibly can offer no conciliatory um, uh, or, or or compromise for none will be offered to you and double down all the more on the truth double down all the more on confronting them with their hypocrisy and lies for the the the, the days are evil so redeem the time With major corporations going full Wokistan and canceling free speech and working to cancel your values, the need to partner with companies that are deserving of our trust by aligning with our values whenever possible is needed now more than ever before. Unfortunately, we don't have somebody that provides a capable product In every line of industry that aligns with us. So sometimes we're just going to have to be in the world and not of it and do business with people that aren't like us or don't agree with us. But when the opportunity and those interests align presents itself, take full advantage of it. Like with our friends at Patriot Mobile, America's only patriotic mobile phone carrier. That's why it's called Patriot Mobile, uh, and they donate a portion of every dollar they earn to organizations that fight for our causes and our values. And right now, they've got two great offers they want to give you the choice of. Either you get 50% off your first two months if you make the switch to Patriot Mobile, or $100 off any phone. 100 bucks off any phone, or 50% off your first two months when you make the switch to Patriot Mobile. By the way, veterans, first responders, you get even bigger discounts. So let them know when you call in to make the switch or go online to patriotmobile.com slash Steve for more details. And don't worry about a decrease in coverage. Every company, including Patriot mobile pretty much nowadays, all use the same towers anyway. So there's not much difference. All right. patriotmobilecom slash Steve, patriotmobile.com slash Steve, or give them a call at nine seven two Patriot. That's nine seven two Patriot. Well, you are about to tune in to probably the only portion of today's show we will be able to post later today on a certain social media platform that shall not be named. Next hour, we will get into our Monday town hall and try to have as much of a data-driven, apolitical conversation about the vaccine debate in this country as we possibly can. But first, um, in lieu of the fact our good friend Bob Vanderplatz decided after putting on such a huge event he deserved a day off, and I agreed. I happened to, though, spend about half the day at their Family Leadership Summit on Friday. And I was one of the speakers there for the event as well. And I want to share just some of the things that stood out to me uh, watching the event, the speakers, the uh, the crowd, etc. Can I start with something personal? you guys mind for a second? Sure.
4: Sure. I'm curious.
1: You know, when I was in sports talk radio, we used to say all the time, whenever athletes say it's not about the money, it's about the money, Right. But the older I get, and I think I've brought this up in the past, the, the older I get, the more I kind of understand that maybe it's really not always about the money when they say it's not about the money. That there's really only one team every year in every sport that wins the championship, right? Only one person wins the MVP or the Cy Young or you know the, the coveted award, whatever it is, the Heisman in your sport. And how would anybody else gauge their value. There's only a couple of ways to do it. Significance or prosperity or, or, or your sense of worth, right? Significance, meaning we won the championship. I'm the MVP or your sense of worth. Hey, our team's not that great. Didn't win the championship this year, but you're the best. So-and-so in our league, we don't want you to go. So we're going to pay you the best at your spot. That, that would be another way for you as a guy to measure whether what you're doing in your chosen field in this case sports makes a difference fair sure kind of goes that way in our line of work and now that we're almost strictly digital you know i we used to count like i used, before you guys worked here we used to have a map up in the office that would you know we'd put a new thumbtack when we'd land a new radio affiliate and things of that nature okay um there's only a couple of ways especially given the style of show we do um, we're not even part of the state-of-the-art facility the Blaze has in Dallas, and they just built a, a new facility in Nashville as well. We're in this remote outpost in Iowa, so we don't even see a lot of our peers every day. Like, I can't even just walk down the hall and get from our mucky mucks, Gaston and Tyler, hey, good show. You know what I'm saying? We're just kind of off here on our own, and we're just sitting here talking to ourselves in the, in the in the corner of an office here, in a studio that they built for us. So... There's only so many ways for me to feel like, you know what? we're really making a difference. One is the fact that I cannot keep up with my email inbox right now. That's one of them. The other happened on Friday. I got done. I was the first speaker after the after lunch, and then I got done uh, and waited. Christy Nome was after me, and waited for her to get into her talk for a couple of minutes and thought. If there was ever a moment for me to sneak out of here, even though a lot of these are my peeps, you know, some of these are people I've known or they think they have known me for years. Um, but if there was ever someone that would be a a useful distraction, so that nobody knows the 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 uh the middle aged belly, doughy bellied guy going sneaking out down the side of the wall on the way out the door, she would provide said distraction. Fair? Sure. I mean, I, I, that's not an opinion without any merit, correct? No, I don't no, know. no. By the way, in person, yikes, she's even hotter in person. But um, I thought, so this is my moment. I'm going to sneak out of here, all right? I get almost to the end, and a guy walks up to me just as I'm walking out the door, and says, "Hey, do you mind I, I, if I could just talk to you for a few minutes out, you know, outside here in the in the waiting area?" I said, "Sure, you bet." I had no idea that it was going to be almost two hours later before I was going to get out of there. And he proceeds to introduce himself as somebody who, I've never met this gentleman before, didn't know his name. Got elected to the state legislature, the state senate a few years ago. My local show at the time was one of the things that inspired him to run, and he did actually several years after I left local radio and, you know, we went national. And then a few other members of the legislature saw me that I also did not know and have not met previously. They saw me talking to this guy. They, they end up coming over as well. And I don't know, four, five, maybe six members of the legislature um, over the course of this day, only, all but one of them I had, I had not met before. Uh, came up to tell me with a huge positive influence. And a couple of them still do uh, are pay t- are follow us here now on The Blaze, but the first few that I that came up and talked to me, had didn't, they didn't even know where I went. They just were still mobilized by what we had done on WHO. Folks, I've not been on WHO. I left that station in February of 2011. And to get a chance to sit and talk with people who made sure they didn't convene the last legislative session until they passed a permanent mask mandate in the schools and things of that nature, for example. And then for them to wait around to come up and tell me the role that our show... And was always had the same story, too. At first, I was like, who is this guy? Where does he get off saying these things, right? Um, Kind of like what we hear from our audience. At first, I did not like this show. (laughs) (laughs) But um, that was... um, that was one of the most satisfying couple of hours I have spent in my career, seriously. And it and it wasn't just them. I had a gentleman walk up to me and say, hey, do you mind coming over to the Iowa Right to Life table? I have somebody I want you to meet. Now, for those of you that, that are new around here, you don't know why that made me a little nervous, okay? Because, I mean, I went to war with Iowa Right to Life when I was on here locally over... Supporting sham politicians, sham pro-life bills, etc. And um, let's just say it was so bad, I helped found even a rival pro-life group in the state. That's how bad it was. So we get over it. I I said, sure, but I mean, I'm I'm getting geared up for some form of a confrontation. Instead, this guy wanted to introduce me to his wife. Who started at Iowa Right to Life last year? I think they said they both did, and it was after they read a nefarious plot that they thought, you know what, we've we've got to get off the, our rear ends and get involved. And just over and over and over again, that period of two hours, how many people I met, and it wasn't like what was had what was happening up on the stage was boring, okay. And Nome up there, regardless of what you think about what she's done on the trainee issue, there's no question she has a captivating uh, presence, shall we call it. I mean, she's up there like leading them in the battle hymn of the republic as a song and everything else. And for so it wasn't like, you know, they put the B team on after me. You know what I'm saying? And uh, just to to have so many people come up to me and talk about the influence our program had. On inspiring them and then the roles that they have gone on to play for making this a place that was one of the freest states in the country. A place where we were never, you know, if, if as far as raising your family here, you were not tainted by COVID, stand nearly to the extent that a lot of other places were, including, frankly, Texas. Uh, it was just incredibly encouraging for me. It was like rocket fuel for the soul, man. I mean, I was... I was like about to call y'all up and see what you were doing like at six o'clock and let's just come in here and just do a show. I mean, I was pretty fired up afterwards. So I wanted to mention that first and foremost. Do you guys have any quick thoughts on that before I get to some of the other things I was gonna talk about?
4: it came up in a different context several months back. I don't know why we talked about it, but it's something occasionally you will lament. The fact now that you've gone national that you feel detached from your backyard. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh and you know, maybe that's something, you know, in terms of the future we make sure uh we we keep in play more regularly because y- you're right. It's really, really important. It, t- Twitter isn't America, but what you just described is America. Right. And that grassroots is ultimately our our key to whatever victory looks like in the future. So I'm uh and you never know how it's gonna come. Like you said, you did not that was not part of the game plan necessarily, but they, they're so craving it. They came and found you over and over and over again. Um, God bless them for doing so.
2: My initial inclination is that, uh, in terms of now equipping believers, people with our belief system, at least with the knowledge and the tactics in order to go out and do what they believe, what they say they believe, got a little book coming out about that, I think in the future. Um, you know, you got to experience something that in a different context, pastors, if they have done well, get to experience. Or just any, not even pastors, if you are an effective believer in evangelism and getting to hear from those who you have shepherded, who maybe you've, you've lost contact with, or who you didn't even know you had an impact with to begin with, those are some of the most powerful things. And it's not really something... That a lot of people get to experience, so I'm glad you got to do that.
1: Well said, both of you. Um, Now, let me give you my big two big takeaways from this event. Number one, I've never been in a room in our state ever with this crowd as large and as energized that wasn't involving the 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 you know an event leading up to the Iowa caucuses where it was clear we had we had officially declared candidates there. Or people that we knew were serious about running, you know what I'm saying, like a, the Iowa Straw Poll or the Family Leadership Summit in 2015 when they had 19 of the 23 presidential candidates there. And I helped emcee that event. Um, short of that, I have not seen, at least on the right, anything. Not a gubernatorial election, not even the the, uh, the, the year we successfully threw the judges out. I've not seen a larger, more energized crowd gather. For I guess we'll call it an off year or non-presidential cycle event in the 15 plus years I've been involved, either in organizing actively in Iowa or you know being a party to it or covering it. So I I think the amount of our that, that our people are are ready. They they want they want to be given something to do. I, that was a big takeaway I had. Let me give you another big takeaway I had. A lot of times the person who comes to Iowa first about running for president um, underwhelms. and and they maybe almost know they're a little underwhelming. That's why they're trying to get in first to stake as much ground as they possibly can. I remember uh, I heard so much about Tim Pawlenty. He was like, he came here five seconds after um, uh, after John McCain lost. And I heard over and over and over again about how he was everywhere, talking to everybody. And then when I finally had a chance to be in a room with him alone with a group of activists, man, I could see why he got in here early because there wasn't a lot of there there, okay? This cycle right now, that guy is Mike Pompeo, the former uh, Secretary of State under Trump, former member of Congress. But I will tell you, I got the opposite reaction from him or to him. I was impressed and I went in there not expecting to be. I went in there expecting to roll my eyes and say, This is the I've seen this act before. Okay. And let me tell you what really impressed me. Him and I both spoke at the VIP luncheon at the event. No cameras, nothing there, just VIPs. So big donors, members of the legislature, members of Congress in attendance, et cetera. And there was a there was a likability factor. You just came off as such a technocrat, a secretary of state, and maybe you want to do that. Maybe you don't want to have a lot of personality as secretary of state because it could be misconstrued the wrong way. You know what I'm saying? So you're just very monotone, very autocrat, technocratic. In that room, I saw something I rarely see with a politician. Somebody who's both comfortable in his own skin as a person, but also as a candidate. A lot of times you'll run into politicians who are one or the other. Rarely are they both of those things. And he told one story about the first time that Trump is, when he was head of Trump's CIA, that Trump sent him instead of the Secretary of State to go meet with Kim Jong un in, in Pyongyang. And the way that he told that story, it didn't, it, it, it reminded me of what people have said about what we do on our show. When we take them behind the curtain, we make, we make what we get exposed to accessible to them. It, he didn't make it, he was, it wasn't like he was like name dropping. Nor did he water it down so much that you thought, I just cannot see this man, you know, in this environment. It was, it was meekness again, I guess I'll use that term again. It was very accessible and under control. And I think if Trump doesn't run again, he's going to run again. But if Trump doesn't run again, I could see, envision someone that's more overtly evangelical and overtly MAGA, then Grassley, but with a similar persona to what Grassley had in the 80s and the 90s. And I, I could see him being uh, the new hotness, night you know, um, nice guy that Iowans can gravitate to. Particularly if, let's say, Trump doesn't run and DeSantis and Cruz becomes really, really nasty. You know, as they kind of both vie for supremacy of the same people. I could see him maybe kind of run up the middle and say, hey, I'm an adult in the room. That Watch out in the future for Mike Pompeo, should Trump not run, although Trump is going to run. We'll come back, hour two. Our town hall on the vaccine debate is next. Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace, Totterson and Aaron McIntyre. They're here with me as well. If you'd like to be here too, let us know what you think about what we think. Email the program, steve at SteveDace.com, That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. You can also look for me on Parlor and Gab. If you're looking for clips of the program that are uncensored, unfiltered go to rumble.com slash show again rumble.com slash show. and if you are a podcast listener we are looking for you to please leave us a five-star review if you haven't done so yet click that subscribe or follow button if you haven't done one of those two things either because the more of you that do the more it helps the podcast to grow and that's why we want to thank all of you that have done these things for us already thank you very much This portion of the program brought to you by our friends over at My Patriot Supply. You know, there's never been a more critical time. I think a lot of us can remember in recent memory. Uh, It just seems like it's one crisis after another. That's why you want to make sure you're prepared for the next time. That could never happen here. Happens. Last year it was toilet paper, sanitizer, cleaning wipes. Who knows? Next time it could be food. Water. That's why you want to get stockpiled now with our friends at My Patriot Supply, the nation's original Patriot Preparedness company, with food that stays fresh up to twenty-five years in proper storage. So you don't have to go worry about going hungry again the next time it could never happen here happens. Uh, and right now you can trust them with uh, with their forty-one thousand plus. Uh, Four-star and five-star reviews from satisfied customers Uh, save 25% off right now their popular four-week food kit that gives you what you need, 2,000-plus calories per day for up to four weeks, stays good for up to 25 years. When you go to preparewithdace.com, you'll get that emergency food before you need the next emergency Uh, And it will arrive discreetly at your door. They won't show up, you know, with like Doom Prepper painted on the side. (laughs) At this point, you shouldn't care about that stuff, but in case you do. All right. So, again, uh, preparewithdace.com. Get 25% off right now at preparewithdace, D E A C E, preparewithdace.com. So, this hour, I want us as best as we possibly can. Now, we will not be able to do this perfectly. We are humans. We're therefore subjective by nature. And it just so happens that the three of us here also work full time in politics. So the idea that we are going to, you know, be able to do this in a zero politics realm or mode, uh, probably not realistic, but we are going to do our best as we possibly can this hour to have... And as as much of an apolitical conversation about the vaccine debate in this country as we possibly can. So I want us to begin. I want us to kind of come now, to quote the prophet Isaiah, "Come now and reason together." That let's let's take a deep breath here, because it seems as if um, certain aspects of this country's elites are bound and determined to create, like, uh, their own tribulation force, if you get the left-behind reference, but against them, not for them, okay? So let's see if we can have a reasonable conversation about the vaccine debate in the country. And let's assume, and don't laugh when I say this, Todd, most of you, almost all of you, okay? Okay. Don't laugh when I say, let's assume there are no sinister motives. As a whole, did the Sanhedrin have sinister motives against Christ as a whole? Yes. Were most of its members tools and constructs of that motivation? Yes. But were all of them? No. No. Were there some that even ended up believing in him as messiah. Yes. So we're going to do mercy triumphing over judgment for as long as we can here. By by trying to find the objective truth as best we can. Because it's in finding that objective truth that I think we will objectively have a better idea. Who are sheep? And sheep need to be fed, right? Yes. And then who are the wolves? And the wolves need to be confronted, right? Yes. Okay. So let's assume, for the sake of this conversation this hour, let's assume there's no sinister motivations from the government, media, big pharma, industrial complex. Let's assume there's not. Let's assume this isn't grooming for something else, any kind of psyop. Uh, It's not a specific attempt to create a lifelong clientele, um, semblances of controlling people. Let's just assume none of that is true. Again, don't laugh, but I think we have to start here because for those of us that think it's likely some of those other things are true, it, it only bolsters the credibility of our argument by a willingness to begin with an objective overture. I won't cast immediate aspersions upon your motivations for trying to force this on me if you return the favor and don't try to cast immediate aspersions upon my character for resisting that. Fair? Yes. Okay. I think there are three questions. Now, now there's 83 questions. <laughs> 347 questions. 808 three questions. I mean there's a lot more questions than this that we need answers to. but to at least get the conversation going, to at least establish some semblance of trust here, I think there are three questions that if we could get earnestly real answers, not talking points nor you know um, smug lectures, But if we could come now and reason together and get earnest answers, earnestly real answers to these three questions, I think it would go a long way to get us past the vaccine threshold in this country. Now, that's assuming, of course, that there are earnestly real good answers to these questions. But there's only one way to find out, and that's to provide them to us. Instead of the current methodology, which seems to be smug lectures, when you're not, that's when you're not threatening us and threatening us when you're not doing smug lectures. Here's the first one. Why are there so many high-profile breakthrough cases of the already vaccinated in this country? And why are cases rising in the most vaccinated countries in the world? Friend of the show, friend of mine. Multiple best-selling author Joel C. Rosenberg was expected and scheduled to speak at the Family Leadership Summit with me last Friday. He got fully vaccinated with a Pfizer vaccine in Israel and tested positive on Friday for COVID-19. Therefore, he could not appear. We just had the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox have to cancel their first game after the All-Star break for vaccinated players testing positive. North Carolina State lost its spot in the College World Series when it looked like it was probably the best team in the field for vaccinated players testing positive. Now, it wasn't just vaccinated players in their case, but most of the players that tested positive were vaccinated. And keep in mind, CDC guidelines call for lowering the cycle viral threshold for the vaccinated compared to the unvaccinated. I believe down into the 20s, I think it is. And now, of course, we have these Democrats who were doing their uh escape from this the legislative session in Texas last week. And now what is it? Five of them are now? It was three, two more half. yeah, two more right, so five total now the, the whole all of them were totally vaccinated. Five of them have now tested positive yesterday, and now we're told it's a coincidence. who knows if that's true, but they met with Vice President Kamala Harris. She went to Walter Reed Medical yesterday. Again, they were saying it was routine. Who knows? But there are we, we've we've had other athletes that were fully vaccinated. We had Bubba Watson, fully vaccinated, tested positive, could not take part in the British Open over this past weekend. So we have numerous high-profile breakthrough infections amongst the already vaccinated in this country. The UK has seen an over 600% explosion of new cases in that country. Israel is seeing the same thing now. They've reached 1,000 cases for the first time in, I think, four or six months over the weekend. Why? Why is this happening? That's the first question. Here's the second question that we need earnestly real good answers to. Why do you continue to ignore... Or even dismiss outright natural immunity in your calculations and analysis, despite so much real-time data and studies from all over the world, showing that at worst, it's just as effective as vaccine immunity. At worst, it is. In fact, most of these studies and real-time data show it's superior. If you look at the study that just came out of Israel that Aaron highlighted in his montage last hour. What Israel is reporting is 40% of its new cases, 3,000 of them, were from fully vaccinated individuals. Less than 1% of its new cases were from people known to have recovered naturally from COVID. Let me repeat that. Israel's Ministry of Health is reporting 40% of its new cases are from fully vaccinated Less than 1% of its new cases has come from those known to have recovered from COVID or natural immunity. This has been a frequent bane of contention and criticism by Dr. Marty Makari at Johns Hopkins University towards our medical experts like Anthony Fauci. Why do you continue to ignore, if and that's when you're not dismissing, natural immunity? People need to know the answer to this question. Especially when you're asking them to re-inject into their bodies the spiked protein of an infection that they've already recovered from. Now, number three, why this pushy desire to put these injections into children which data all over the world has repeatedly shown for well over a year that children are neither primary victims nor primary vectors for the virus. They're not primary victims of, nor are they primary vectors for. This is why our schools were not petri dishes all over the world for COVID this past year. Think the UK could only trace something like six infections to classrooms out of hundreds of thousands of students last year? Because when you point out data that shows, even our own CDC says a child is more likely to get struck by lightning than to die of COVID, looking at their data. Well, the child could pass the virus on to somebody else. Well, that's actually not what the data shows. That's why our schools weren't Petri dishes Or grooming colonies for coronavirus. So then why the desire to push them to get these vaccinations? That we don't really know the long-term ramifications of, and this is the group that's going to be most vulnerable to long-term ramifications. They're the youngest. I think an earnest dialogue, again, not talking points or smarmy lectures, but an earnest dialogue that tackles these three questions, I think would go a long ways towards restoring some lost trust. Anything short of that, though? And I think the remaining unvaccinated are going to further dig in. And I think that will especially be their results to threats. They will take the fact that you skipped past earnest dialogue and went right to a threat to mean you don't have good answers to these questions, and now you're just trying to impose on them. You're only going to reinforce their suspicions with that methodology. If you want people to make what you consider to be the adult decision and get vaccinated then treat them like adults. Give them the information they deserve to make an informed consent. Let me pause there, bring the two of you in. What are your thoughts so far?
4: Well, you know, you read earlier about the... uh a apa or aap american academy of yeah with yeah. masks yes you know i see that you were talking about canaries in the cold mine earlier i think i think that's one uh regarding uh the coming fall schools and how uh, we are going to react and whether or not they think they need to answer these questions uh, I think you undersold this a little bit. Yeah, we could turn this into there's 666 questions, but this if if this is a whole ball game right here. If these three are honestly dealt with, you don't need to ask more than these three questions. They're so entirely t- comprehensive in addressing the emotional and psychological baggage uh of this entire thing because if you just answer these objectively as you said uh any number of other questions that you might have will simp- will, will simply go away that's what ob- objectivity is supposed to do that's what all of the people who claim to love science s- are, are scamming us with because intuitively we we believe that science is supposed to clear the deck mm-hmm. of all the dross but it, it's we're being manipulated uh, because we have we've been bred to have that level of confidence in science properly understood, but but it isn't being used that way, and we are only now coming around. You see that with the uh, the pictures of people coming out in France, Steve. I believe you reposted some of those. The streets are full there, fighting mm-hmm. back. So, listen. Either these get answered, or it is. You know, I've been saying it well before COVID, but, you know, there's no way that this will not be civil war on some level because there's just, uh, they're not going to be masking their kids again or plunging needles into their kids' arms until you answer these questions.
1: By the way, the the French prime minister who is considered the conservative option, I believe, Macron, uh, he is proposing a prison sentence. Yes for those who would go into a restaurant or a public building without a vaccine passport. And this has spawned um, probably the biggest protest we've seen in the country since the Occupy Wall Street days, and maybe even bigger. Aaron, what do you think on those questions? And and the overall attempt to have a higher-minded dialogue than what we're currently having?
2: Well, I I think it, it helps us. Just think through why we have questions in the first place, because, I mean, goodness gracious, guys, Um, this whole thing with the vaccines has been politicized since from the get go. The same people who are telling you now it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated Joe Biden. He and his running mate Kamala Harris, as you heard in that montage in in, in the montage today. They were poo-pooing this back during the campaign trail because, guess what, it was Trump's vaccine then. So this whole thing has been politicized. But, as we've seen from the UK, whose principal vaccine, if I'm not mistaken, is the AstraZeneca vaccine, which has been banned by certain countries and certain demographics because of the harmful side effects that it may pose to some, that seems to have a better lasting impact than the Pfizer vaccine, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken, which is the principal vaccine of Israel, mm-hmm. where they are now seeing, I think it's 40% of their new hospitalizations as of, I think, two weeks ago. I think it's even greater now. 40% of us, as, uh, as of two weeks ago, were people who had received two doses of their vaccine. So there are differences in the vaccines. One is the mRNA, the Pfizer, and uh, Moderna. One, the other is a more traditional, I think AstraZeneca is, is the more traditional vaccine. So it's important, you know what, um, the UK, their deaths, hospitalizations, this term decoupling from mm-hmm. the uh, caseload over there, that's mm-hmm. pretty good news. That's, that's pretty good news if you're okay with the overall vaccine, just having an apolitical conversation. But we're not allowed. We're not even allowed to ask these conversa- or ask these questions right now, or have these conversations, because what Todd is alluding to is that if this is the domi- if this domino falls, i.e. the vaccines, i.e. trust in the medical establishment, guys, that that's that. There, there's no hold, hold hold barred for that. There there is no telling what could happen to um to some of the one of one of the main pillars of the power structure of the left of the spirit of the age if trust in this vaccine is um is shaken and therefore trust in the medical establishment is shaken i'll tell the i'll tell you this as well just just to kind of give you an indication we my wife and i were expecting here in the next uh, Three, four weeks, our first child, we have a doula, which is somebody who assists, as you probably know, somebody who assists with the delivery of the child and education and and things of that nature. She is uh, of the same worldview as my wife and I and many of you listening to this show. She has said, now this is in our circles, so I'm not sure if this is indicative of a broader trend. She says that she is seeing a massive shift in terms of trust of the medical establishment, she is keeping yeah. busy like none other. Yeah. So I think I think that's really what we're talking about here, and we're not allowed to have these apolitical discussions because of how politicized this has become. From the, that, this is, has been from the get go. But these are three foundational questions I think that are definitely worth asking if we wanted to live in a uh, polite society, if you will, who was actually interested in the truth. Of these matters,
1: Yeah, I, I would urge you folks to take those three questions to your own physician, your own primary care uh, provider. How would they answer those questions? Could they answer them? Could they answer them without just giving you guidelines and talking points? If the answer is no, you need to get another primary care physician. Okay. I'm glad you brought up. Pardon me. I'm glad you brought up the UK. Let's go there next. Okay. So decoupling is, is a statistical term for when you saw uh, one thing that was a trend line or a lagging indicator of a trend line that would then follow it later on, uh, and then something new intervenes or some new process or some new experience intervenes in that trend line. And now those two things aren't symbiotic anymore. They decouple from one another. When you look at this, the, the data from the UK, I spent a good deal of time before church yesterday morning taking a look doing a deep dive into into their data. And the reason why I think the UK is a good place for us to watch is because it's not as densely populated as Israel is. Remember, Israel's got all those people, all those different cultures in a country that's not much larger than what the state of New Hampshire, right? This is going to be a much more spread out nation, okay? And when you come to the UK. Secondly, though, like Israel, it had, and, and just ended yesterday uh, or last night, The one of the longest uh, and worst lockdowns in Western civilization. So I would anecdotally guess that their natural immunity rates are lower in that country because of how much more lockdown they've been. I think that's a fair assumption to make. Yeah. And so I think that because of that, like we don't really know how much credit we should give 193 people died of COVID yesterday in America or Saturday, 193. That was the 101st consecutive day in this country. We have been below 1000 deaths with COVID 101 consecutive days. I don't think yesterday's stats are posted yet, but we don't really know what role our natural herd immunity played with the vaccination, with the ratio of that is. People like Marty Makari think that it's kind of 50-50. People like Peter McCullough think that it's probably in the single digits that the vaccination rate is. We're all, Opinions are all over. That's totally subjective. We don't know. But given how locked down the population of the UK has been, I think we can at least imply from our analysis that their natural immunity rates are going to be lower than our own. And so that gives us, I think, a better view In real time of the true efficacy of the vaccine of of the vaccination programs. And as Aaron again pointed out in his montage, there is a currently a massive decoupling in the UK between hospitalizations and deaths and the amount of cases. And that's great news, obviously. So if you go by the original rationale for both lockdowns and the vaccines. That these would be highly effective therapeutic uh, events to slow down the overrunning of the hospital system and deaths, okay? These vaccines, at least the UK's data, now, I want to wait another week or two before I go all in, because the case numbers there are just skyrocketing. But if this, if this trend line continues another week or two, then you can say, hey, the United Kingdom is pretty good verifiable proof. That these vaccination efforts are effective at mitigating serious COVID illness. Now, if if you live in a zero COVID environment, which is what a lot of this country has thought was possible, and what most of the countries in the West, the UK included, have tried to live in, create like a zero COVID. That's what LA County is doing? A thousand cases in a in a county of what, twelve and fifteen million people? And we're going back to masks. Even, even though 69% of the population in L.A. County over the age of 16 is vaccinated, by the way, according to their own numbers, 69%. Going back to masks. That's just witch doctor, zero COVID, flat earth nonsense. And if you bought into that, which is what driv- which has driven most of the COVID narratives in this country and in the West for the last year and a half, these vaccines are barely a speed bump against that. Now, some of you may say that's the, that's a great argument for taking them. This should be a no-brainer. A, I agree with you it's a great argument for taking them if you're in a high-risk factor. But B, here's the problem with saying it's a no-brainer. We don't know, as we've pointed out on this show several times in the last week, we don't know the long-term consequences of either even an asymptomatic infection To something that none of us believe is completely natural made. We have pointed that out, right? We don't know. We don't know what will happen. We have no clue what will occur. Let me give you an example from my own life. Man, I was a 125 over 80 BP blood pressure guy. After I lost all the weight in the last seven, eight, nine years. In the last month. My blood pressure has consistently been like 130 140 over 80. I even had to get put on a low dose potassium pill to try to give me some a boost in the lower to lower the blood pressure. What event changed what event occurred in my life in the last couple of months?
4: You found out that at some point you had covid. Yeah.
1: I had covid at the end of April. Maybe that's not it. I don't know. Here's what I know. Prior to getting COVID, I was a 125 over 80 guy like clockwork. Now, I, have, I can't get under 130 without medication. Yeah, I'm older. Am I that much older than I was in April? No. Nope. I'm not. Like if this was a year later, we probably would just chalk it up to age or something, right? But no. In fact, now that the weather's warmer, we had a pretty cool wet spring, Here in the Midwest, I'm actually outdoors and more active than ever before. So it ain't a lack of exercise. We don't know the long-term ramifications of even an asymptomatic infection to a non-man-made contagion. You know what we also don't know the long-term ramifications of? Getting these injections. We don't know that either. So we're back to the same calculus we were at all along. Which do you prefer to risk? And even healthy with a 99.98 percent or percent chance of recovery, which is the current CFR for COVID. Okay. So that's your that you take those odds, or, but you don't know what the long term ramifications would be of getting exposed to it for your health system, right? You don't know that. Or the long term risks of the vaccines. See, both sides are taking a risk here. There's this notion that only one side is taking a risk, the people not getting the vaccine. That's not true. Both sides of the argument here are taking a risk. And right now, we don't have any data to indicate, unless you're in a high-risk category, which risk is riskier. I want to address some more specific issues and challenges to this when we come back. Big news for everybody's favorite protein bar built bar is now the official sponsor for the U S Olympic track and field team that will one day include a young woman named Ainsley Erzin. All right. So, uh, just further, further anecdotal confirmation of how excellent this product is. If my word wasn't good enough for you, by the way, It tastes incredible. It's absolutely the best tasting protein bar you've ever had. It's better than a lot of candy bars that you have tried. So many great flavors, all of them covered in real chocolate. The limited time flavors, the most recent one, grasshopper cookie, delicious before that. They had birthday cake, both Todd and Aaron both loved that. Um, I'm waiting for coconut brownie chunk and cookie dough, my two favorites, to return. But all of them are really good. All, again, covered in real chocolate. All of them high in protein, low in sugar, low in carbs, big on taste. You can't beat it. And if you want to try it now, get 15% off your next order at built.com. B U I L T, B U I L T. For built.com, use my last name, DACE, as your promo code at built.com. Get 15% off right now when you use my last name as your promo code at built.com. One more time, I want to reset the three questions that we posed at the top of this conversation. So maybe if you want to jot them down, take them to your own primary care physician. See if they can answer them without uh, just a narrative or talking points or a smug lecture. All right. Number one, why are there so many high profile breakthrough cases of the already vaccinated in this country? um and and why are cases rising in the most vaccinated countries in the world we saw this in the seashells last month now we're seeing it in the uk and in israel number two why do you continue to ignore or even dismiss natural immunity in your calculations and analysis despite so much real-time data and studies all over the world showing at worst it's just as effective as vaccine immunity at worst Often shows it's superior, and I cited the, the data from the Ministry of Health in Israel, which is saying 40% of its new cases are from fully vaccinated. Less than 1% of its new cases are from those that were known to have recovered from a previous COVID infection. And number three, why the pushy desire to push these injections into children, which data all over the world has repeatedly shown children are neither, neither primary victims of nor primary vectors for the virus. Our own CDC data shows children are more likely to be struck by lightning than they are to die with COVID. Uh, the, the biggest uh, look at pediatric transmission in the world in the UK found, could only trace about six cases in the whole country in all their schools to being spread by children at school. So then why are we pushing this on children when we don't know what the long-term side effects are? This brings me to some more specific questions I want to answer. Uh, Here were some of the questions I received over the weekend when I posted some of what we're discussing with you on social media today. That there really aren't that many high-profile Breakthrough cases. I've actually cited several of them, actually. Um, but you're talking about people who aren't sick. These are healthy people for whom the vaccine did exactly what it was supposed to do, yet they still had enough virus in their body for a positive PCR test result. See, this is why the question of natural immunity matters because what we could be seeing in the u k is the the number one reason for the decoupling is, Now that people are out more, younger and healthier people are getting an airborne virus now, but they are able to to beat it between their own health and we'll even give some credit to the vaccines. But again, the next week or two of data in the UK will tell us that. Okay. But but here's the thing. Um, The metric has constantly changed on what we're supposed to measure COVID by. I am totally fine if we want to measure the vaccine efficacy by how it stops serious illness and death. I'm okay with that. But I just want then everything to be measured by that then. When they want to put more useless Chinese face, face diapers on us in L.A. County, it's because they have a thousand cases, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
1: What is the metric? It's, the problem is it's a moving target. So what is it then? If these vaccines do anything positive, may it be that once and for all we decide on what the metric is that we're going to determine what the seriousness of the contagion is. Because if you want to use these vaccines as a as a metric for the the slow of infection, that this there is no data data in the world showing you that. Not in our country or any other country. That ain't happening. That dog ain't hunting. Nope. Try again. And as I said last segment. Even if we are slowing down hospitalizations and deaths, we, again, still don't know what the long-term ramifications are. 5, 10, 15, 20 years, we don't know what, if any, ramifications are from even an asymptomatic COVID infection. Just like we also don't know 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now what the long-term ramifications are of a spiked protein replicating itself 40 trillion times in your bloodstream. We don't know that either, do we? Do we know that either? No. We don't. We don't. So the again everyone's taking a risk here. No one is not taking a risk. Everyone is. That's why if you're in a high risk group or elderly, to me the math would be pretty I'd be much higher to take the risk on the vaccine. If I'm not in that group and the younger I get, the vaccine increasingly becomes the higher risk. Well Steve, if people do that, we won't hit herd immunity. That leads to my question about natural immunity. Why is it constantly ignored? Again, I haven't seen what today's data is yet, but as of yesterday, we had gone 101 straight days in this country without hitting 1,000 daily deaths with COVID in a massive country of 329 million people. That would seem to indicate some form of herd immunity. Fair? Yeah. Yeah. On top of that, we have therapeutics now. We have treatments now. Remdesivir doesn't work. Regeneron does. The monoclonal antibodies work. We know ivermectin works. We know hydroxychloroquine works when they're properly implemented as prophylaxis. So we have treatments now. Some form of herd immunity now. But everybody, vaccinated and unvaccinated, is taking a risk. Please don't go out there, puff your chest out. I'm not getting the vaccine. God gave me an immune system. Yeah, he did. That same immune system, by the way, one day is going to fail, brah. Does everybody live forever? No. Physically live forever? Nope. So you are taking a risk with even an asymptomatic exposure. Don't don't sit there and say I believe the Shikoms manufactured a virus, and then act as if getting exposed to it's no big deal. Can both of those things possibly be true at the exact same time? Yes. You can't sit there and tell me the ShyCom's manufactured a virus, but getting exposed to it's no biggie. I disagree with that. It is a biggie. We just don't know. That's why we have followed real-time data on this show all along. So far, the way the virus is behaving is really other than the symptoms of losing taste and smell. Behaviorally, it's really not that different from any other airborne respiratory virus we have seen. That's why I'm not really concerned right now because we have to live our lives. We can't stay hidden. I'm not really concerned about going back to normal. That doesn't mean there won't be a consequence for this 10 or 20 years from now. The problem is we all know what the consequence of staying hidden is for 10 or 20 years. We're looking at a mental health catastrophe for staying hidden for a year. We can't afford that. Life comes with risk east of Eden. Nor should those of you that are vaccinated be puffing your chest out. Hey, you uninformed uh, rubes. Do you know? Do you know what it will do to your ovaries or your reproductive organs to have 40 trillion spiked proteins from a virus that we think is not entirely natural percolating around in your bloodstream? Do you know what that means for 10 and 20 years from now? Because no one does because we haven't been doing it for 10 or 20 years. So let's go vaccinate a bunch of 14, 15, 16 year olds, then find out 10 years later, hey, that was kind of bad for our reproductive health. Why? Everyone's taking a risk here. Everyone is. So at least can we agree on what the metric is? LA County has 85 percent sero prevalence, meaning 85 percent of the people had antibodies. 69 percent of the people are over 16 are vaccinated. Why are they doing a mask mandate for a thousand cases in a county of 15 million people? Why? What is the metric? If we want to agree now that the vaccines are here, we're only going to measure on on the basis of hospitalizations and deaths. Okay. Are you okay with that? Yeah. I'm okay with that, provided it's across the board then. But it just seems we choose whichever narrative gives people the authority and power that they want at a particular time or the comfort that they need. Let's pick a narrative and go with it then. If the narrative is cases, then we'll go with that. If it's hospitalizations and deaths, then go with that. But we can't have it's hospitalizations and deaths when we want to force experimental injections on you. And it's cases when we want to force useless Chinese face diapers and lockdowns on you. We can't do that. Fair? Oh, yeah. You may have one or the other. We recognize this is a bad virus. It's a pandemic. You may have one or the other. We will not permit you intellectually, though, to have them both. So choose which one you want. Someone suggested to me over the weekend there was no way to measure the differences in natural or vaccinated immunity. And if you have natural immunity and then get vaccinated, then we now know you are covered. The Israel data contradicts this, by the way. Again, Israel is saying from its Ministry of Health, 40% of its new cases are already fully vaccinated. Less than 1% of its new cases were people that they know physically recovered from a PCR-level positive COVID infection. Less than 1%. So we actually do know this data. Let me tell you, though, what we don't know. What we don't know is the long-term ramifications of injecting a spiked protein back into the body of someone whose body has already recovered from this. That we don't know. That's why I have not taken it. We don't know. We have no clue of knowing what that will do. We don't know, and and frankly, I don't trust their human trial data because the you know they came out of there with you know, Chavez like numbers. Everything was one hundred percent, three thousand percent, ninety seven percent. I'm not, I'm, no, no. We're doing the human trials right now. Let's just all we not we're gonna all get along better if we just be honest with each other. Fair. We're doing the human trials now. We're doing them now. In real time, and we don't know what the cost is of reinjecting a spiked protein, protein that replicates trillions of times in your bloodstream into the bloodstream of people who already have had this infection. We don't know that. We're going to find out, though. And maybe we'll find out it's great. We might find that out. I don't know. I just know we don't know right now. I know that. Here's another objection. It's likely that unvaccinated children will spread the virus, and eventually those who are unable to get vaccinated will get infected Again, there is just simply no data anywhere in the world, as I pointed out multiple times. Kids were back in school in Wuhan, China last spring. Okay? There's just no data to indicate this. Nowhere in the world. None. So, I, I mean, I just don't, I can't give you a better argument other than all the data everywhere in the world says this is not true. At least up until this point in time. Who knows? Maybe it'll mutate and something will change. We don't know. That's why I'm very focused on real-time data. Because I don't believe the virus is a natural phenomenon. So I want to observe its behavior in real time. Because I can't have it both ways either. I can't immediately assume this. I can't, on one hand, tell you the virus is not a natural phenomenon, but then base all of my assumptions on forecasting what it will do on natural precedent. Would that be intellectually honest to me to do that? No. No. So I'm not throwing completely out natural behavioral precedent, but I'm not going by it. I'm going by what it does in real time. Because I don't think it's entirely natural, if at all. So if the calculus works one way, that we should inject those in the high-risk category of a very stratified virus with these injections because they're more at risk of COVID than what we think with the injections. I agree. Why shouldn't the calculus then work the other way? If we all agree we're all taking a risk, and therefore the elderly would be, sw- would be wise to take the risk on the side of the immune-compromised, would, ris- would be wise to take the risk on the side of the vaccine, Then the calculus should work the other way, that the younger and healthier would be wise to not to. Again, you can't have it both ways. At least not if you want to come now and reason together. And we want we don't want to fight a civil war over this. If you don't want to stay a country anymore, keep doing what you're doing. But if you really are primarily motivated by we just want to help as many people as we can and just disagree with you guys about the best way to do that, then answer these questions for us, please. With something other than talking points and smug lectures. Todd and Aaron, I'll give you guys the last word here in just a second. First, if you're getting into the real estate market during these unprecedented times. Bing. Thank you. uh, Make sure you go in with a real estate agent who will come in, take charge, but then remember that you are ultimately the one in charge. Our friends at realestateagentsitrust.com will provide you just such a person. The name kind of says it all. Just about anywhere in the country that you want to go or escape from or to, we can probably find you an agent with a proven, fully vetted track record of success. And chances are... That person might end up being a Blaze TV watcher, Blaze radio podcast listener, just like you, because that's where this got started, was putting together agents from this audience with people uh, that were their fellow Blaze listeners and watchers. Instead of dealing with real estate agents who talked a good game but then didn't deliver, we get somebody who comes to the table with the exact same tastes and values and virtues that you do. If you want to learn more or find the agent you can trust, just go to the website, real estate I Again, real estate I Gentlemen, you get the final word.
4: Well, uh, one roadblock, uh, and, and again, uh, setting aside the uh, what uh, you said early, Steve. We want to uh, not uh, impose malicious intent for the sake of this. Uh, fair enough, but still psychologically. A roadmap to asking these questions, a roadblock to asking these questions is you're not just trying to solve the COVID riddle. If you start asking these questions, you bring up questions about the entire vaccine riddle paradigm in this nation altogether. There's no way to avoid that. And uh, I think people, you know, to the degree to which they start feeling it on both sides of the fence uh, both the ones who have to uh, answer them, but the ones who have to ask, people are wrestling right now. They've they've vaccinated all their kids for everything right now, but this one for some reason bugs them, and they're trying to wrestle with that. It's a big problem.
2: Couldn't have said it any better. Hmm. Um, if if the answers, or maybe more appropriately, whether or not we get answers to these questions, says will say a lot about the future of this of this country, which we'll be talking about in overtime.
1: Back editing it tomorrow noon to 2 Eastern right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV until then John 317
0: This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network